Welcome back, everybody. You're listening to Driving the Basket, part of the Basketball Podcast Network. I am Mike coming at you today with a draft slash free agency preview episode. Uh, as you can tell from my voice, I am still not completely well. I managed after getting COVID to get sick again about a week and a half later. Uh, in any case, actually recording this separately prior to the main recording of the episode, I uh, wanted to announce something. Uh, many of you probably noticed that Tommy has not been around for a little while. Uh, he actually had made the decision to depart the show, wants me to tell all of you that he got a new job and life just got a little bit too busy. So I want to thank Tommy for the time he spent on the show. So I started the show about uh, a little bit over three years ago. Uh, there was a fairly big gap uh, after the season ended in 2020, prematurely ended and uh, didn't pick it up until a little, little while later. But in any case, started the show around March of 2020. And did the vast majority of that with at least one co-host. And though I did found the show, it's been a long time since I considered it just my show. Like when Tommy was around, I considered it uh, a joint venture between the two of us. And when Dante was with us as well, uh, something that's that really the three of us owned. So didn't really expect to find myself running the show on my own again, but definitely plan to stick with it. I'm unsure at this point what my future will be vis-a-vis taking on another co-host or two. Uh, at this point for the off-season, my plan is to just run a, a me-plus-guest format, maybe a couple guests, uh, just a, you know, at least different guest every episode, and hoping to come up with a good lineup for you guys throughout the off-season. So, all right, with that said, uh, let's get to, to the meat of the episode. So we're joined here today by my buddy Chandler. A uh, lifelong Arden Pistons fan and Pistons historian as well. You'd think this guy had been a fan since the 1970s with all he knows about Pistons history as well before he was born. But uh, welcome to the show. Thanks for joining. Pleasure to be here, Mike. So uh, we are recording this actually right after some big news came out. Uh, another trade the Pistons have come with the Knicks. Uh, we'll talk about that in a little while. I'm going to do this in order. Uh, going to talk about uh, first the draft, of course, and then we'll go into free agency. And then we'll talk about that trade, which has changed things quite a bit. Uh, pretty glad that we're recording this episode now because a lot of it would have been rendered completely obsolete <laughs> otherwise. So uh, first, hot off the presses. Yeah, hot off the presses. Exactly. So first things first, and, and this is a subject that I had completely forgotten about until uh, I just repeatedly forgotten about since it happened. And that is the Jeremy Grant trade. It's the trade that sent Jeremy Grant to Portland in exchange for a 2025 top four protected first round pick from Milwaukee and uh, a swap of second round picks in this last draft. And I think a couple more second round picks somewhere in the future. So uh, Chandler, how would you feel when you heard about that trade? Cause I know a lot of people were unhappy about that trade. Well, you know, thinking about how, you know, Troy Weaver has worked, uh, he does things in a pretty methodical type of a fashion. And I, I think I, like a number of folks, was waiting on what's the second move going to be? Going in and knowing what seemed to be available beforehand, you know, like a Gordon Hayward type of a trade with uh, uh, Charlotte, you know, something like that. You know, I was expecting the overall impression to optimistically be like a B plus type of return, A minus type of return. Huh. With, um, not really, you know, any kind of ceiling above that. And, uh, after the draft, uh, my opinions, obviously, like uh, many in, in the, in the uh, basketball world of uh, A-plus all the way around. Yeah, I get you. Yeah, when I first heard about it, I was like, my, my first thought was, you've got to be kidding me. I mean, you have this guy who is a very solid two-way player, plays strong defense, can create off the dribble, could conceivably be like the number three guy in, on, on a contender. It's like, you serious? This is all we got for him. I'm thinking now that there must have been some foreknowledge of, of what might be done with the pick. Uh, 
you know, my, my inclination. And I think this, this show is uh, the, I don't want to say faith, but, but respect I have for Troy Weaver. I mean, for me, like I, I give my faith in general managers pretty slowly. I'm like, okay, I'll, I'll, for the most part, it's like, I'll, I'll start giving this guy the benefit of the doubt when, when the team has reached contender status, that might sound a little bit harsh, but you know, we've, we've seen plenty of rebuilds that have in many sports that have sputtered out in the first or second round. So, but in this case, I was like, okay, I'm going to reserve judgment and see what's coming, you know? And then of course we all, you know, know what happened, but, uh, let's get to draft night. So yeah. when we were heading into draft night, like, like let's talk like in an hour before the draft, like, how were you feeling like approaching that draft? Well, I, I was a little bit worried with regards to what the Kings were going to do. I think we all were. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, was that going to be, were they going to take Murray? Like uh, I, I think many of us uh, had been hoping they would, so they didn't leave that choice to us versus them taking Ivy and worrying about us ending up with Murray. Uh, I was also worried about, you know, was this going to be the only move that he did? You know, because he's had some clunker of uh, deals over time too, whether that's, uh, in my opinion, the drafting of Killian Hayes so high or, uh, you know, the trade uh, for uh, getting rid of Plumley. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was nervous just going into it because, you know, we've heard all sorts of things. And I'd, I'll say that this this draft just, Further underline for me how just the opacity of this of this front office, just as in it's very 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 difficult for I, for I think even even insiders like the beat writers to really get a handle on what they're doing. But yeah, we'd heard, heard to defer a little bit on that to some extent. Uh, do you think what? I'd like to beg to defer a little. Oh, bit. you would. I think that there's certain things that they're certainly transparent about. Certainly with with their draft, you know, historically and this draft. They keep that very close to the vest. But I mean, you know, like uh, a move like going in and getting Marvin Bagley. I mean, that that was airmailed, you know, all season (laughs) long until that happened. So, yeah, okay. Yeah, I hear you. They're not completely close to the vest all of the time. Yeah, but in this draft, definitely they were. And uh, whatever the case, yeah. So, so we were heading to the draft, and, and we'd heard all about Keegan Murray, and uh, and about how they were big fans of Keegan Murray, and yeah. So, there's a certain amount of anxiety there. Anybody who's been, you know, has listened to the last several episodes knows that uh, I was not a big fan of Keegan Murray. I mean, for for the reasons I enumerated several times. So, uh, I was a little bit concerned going into it. It's like, is this going to yeah, be the right I, decision? I, I, I was yeah. not a fan of, of having the least athletic uh, starting five add a. Uh, less athletic player compared to many of the options that were available. Yeah. Compared to Jeremy Grant too. So it's, yeah. So we got that, you know, we went to one, two, three, Boncaro was a little bit of a surprise, whatever Chet Holmgren at number two, Jabari Smith, number three, I really didn't care. You know, it's like, whatever, good for them. Top three were and, set in stone. Yeah. They're set in stone. Absolutely. And I, I'm not going to lie. I went and spoiled it on Twitter. Like so a friend of mine told me, like, I know what's going to happen you know, do you want me to tell you what it is? And I said, no. And I went and looked anyway. And I saw, uh, you know, from Shams, like the Sacramento Kings are, are picking Keegan Murray at number four. And I was like, thank goodness. It was like a series of several sighs of relief that lasted like a solid several minutes. And I was like, you know, who knows, maybe I'll look like an idiot for saying this, but I'm like, I'm like, thank goodness for the Kings being the, the complete incompetence that they usually are going into it. I was like, you know, are the Kings going to save the Pistons for themselves, which is probably unreasonable, but man, that was a huge sigh of relief. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I, I was hoping either Matherin or Ivy were going to be the choice. I, I 
still wonder a little bit about what Matherin would have looked like. I, I think he has the higher floor of him versus Ivy, but mm-hmm. you know, just saving us from a already lacking or lack of athleticism on the team for the starters to going and potentially adding Murray. That 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 was a scary proposition. Yeah. Yeah. I mean for me, I would have had to think long and hard between Ivy and Matherin. Like like Matherin, like you said, has the has the higher floor and had the better fit with the Pistons. I think Ivy has has the highest ceiling that was always going to be intriguing. So when the when the Murray pick was announced and we saw Keegan Murray, you know, who's a pretty uh doesn't not doesn't really show a ton of emotion, but when he walked up to to Adam Silver after being drafted by the Kings, I was like, man, this guy doesn't look so happy. But so in I any believe. case, <laughs> yeah. In any case, so I was like, is it going to be Matherin or Ivy? And then they panned to Ivy, who's like got his head in his hands sobbing. And I was like, all right, I think it's going to be Ivy. <laughs> that was the moment of the draft right there. Yeah. Yeah, that was uh, that was definitely a cool moment. Uh, were you happy when uh, when the pick came in and, and it was Jaden Ivy? I was ecstatic about that pick. Given what we had suspected with Murray possibly being the pick, I was, I was wondering if we were going to go and, and get either Ivy or Matherin. And I was very happy with the Ivy pick on the whole. Yeah, definitely. And I mean, this is just one place where the the front office definitely did keep its cards very, very close to the chest because what we'd heard is, yeah, they like Murray a lot and that Matherham was really another person who's really like the Pistons really, really like him. He had, he had just a great workout and then it came up and it was Ivy, but uh, yeah, I was, I was happy with the pick too. It's, it's definitely very exciting. I, I think I said, Ivy would, for me, I think have been kind of like one B like very, very close to Matherin's 1A. Uh, but I was happy with the pick. So uh, let's talk about what Ivy's going to bring to the Pistons. So, uh, yeah, what are your thoughts on that? Just as, as far as, you know, what do you think that's, I don't know, just in his own particular way he's going to bring? So I think that we have to temper our expectations early on for about the first half of the season with Ivy. I think we'd all like to go and see him right out the gate, just go and flash at at that athleticism and to go and see him you know, playing defense to be shooting it uh, from deep. And I just don't think that that's going to be the way that he comes out of blazing uh, from from the start. I think that he's going to be, you know, this guy that he might even come off the bench uh, with this trade that we had this evening. And he might just, he'll have some ho-hum games to go and start. Now, not probably to the level of what Cade had to begin the year last year. But I think that he'll be more of a utility role to start. Go and get you about your 8 to 12 points, a couple of assists, a couple of rebounds. He'll play some strong defense, I think, even despite him having some lapses while he was at Purdue. He's motivated from you know what he's uh, talked with Weaver about uh, in, in public. Uh, so I, I think that we have to temper our expectations the first half of the season with him. But I think that he'll still be a solid role player early on. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I, I, I agree. And, uh, you know, I, Ivy in some ways is raw. I mean, don't worry, we'll get, we'll get uh, soon to, to talking about his pluses, obviously. Like, uh, guy's, got, guy's got a super high ceiling. We'll talk about his fit with Cade. Uh, yeah, definitely when it, comes into, when it comes to next season. Ivy's is fairly raw in certain capacities. Like, uh, when it comes to shooting consistency and uh, increasing his level of refinement on the drive, because, you know, he did do just a bunch of, you know, really turn the corner explosively on, NCAA defenders and then score at the rim before the protection got there. So yeah, he'll, he'll have that to work on uh, finishing with his left hands and, and work on, on making the right reads and passes off the drive. 
So yeah, that you might, know, might if be. If we combine Killian and him, you know, we, we, got, <laughs> we, we got we got a player that 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 looks pretty good. Yeah, but uh, but really, yeah. So so there might be some growing pains. But let's uh, let's talk about what Ivy's going to bring to the roster in general, though. Uh, so number one, definitely elite athleticism. I mean, uh, this guy will be a top ten athlete coming in. Just incredible explosiveness. Uh, just a, a fast twitch athlete to the core. You call uh, him t- top ten in the league. Yeah, I think he'll be a top ten athlete in the league. Just in Ooh. in terms of just how explosive those, those he is. Those are mighty words, man. Absolutely, yeah. I, and just in terms of his explosiveness and his leaping ability and his top speed. I mean, the guy accelerates from zero to a hundred with incredible rapidity. Uh, he's, he's got great body control and and, uh, and and agility on top of it. So yeah, he's going to have a slam dunk contest uh, champion in the making. I don't know. I don't know. We'll, we'll see. Like uh, he's not like an amazing weeper in terms of how high he leaps, but in terms of the, his explosiveness and doing it. So he's going to add really much needed elite athleticism to the starting lineup. Oh, I, I agree with the, the elite athleticism, but I, I don't know if I would call him top 10 out right out the gate. Oh, I, I think, I think I would. I mean, and I know that's high praise. There just aren't many guys like that who, who have that combination or just have that degree of fast twitch athleticism. I but think in we'll, any case, he'll be he'll be he'll be one of the best athletes in the NBA. Put it that way. He'll be an elite athlete. I think we can agree on that. I think what he'll bring to the team is either he'll be like uh, Hamadou, but with added upside as far as his shooting goes. Which right now his shooting is it, it's not spectacular, but it's a dimension that Hami just doesn't have, yeah. and we'll be able to go and have that ability to go and. Uh, have a little bit more athleticism on the court uh, when he's out there without Hami. And I'm, I'm really excited to go and see what happens when we have a lineup that has Cade with Ivy and with Hami on the court. I, I, I really go in and hope that uh, we get to see a lot of that lineup, actually, especially if oh, we have Dern out there, maybe Bagley too. I mean, that, that that's going to be a fun lineup if we go and have all those athletes out there with Cade. Yeah, it's true. But yeah, when it when it comes to what uh, what Ivy can offer, though, like let's let's talk about how he can operate next to Cade, um, because I mean, what we know about Ivy, for example, like what he's going to offer. Obviously, the guy is is great at exploding through the interior, uh, at scoring uh, scoring at the basket. He's fantastic in transition. In terms of his shooting, he's got some work to do on his form and his consistency. But he took so many like pointlessly difficult threes at Purdue. I think when you coach him and he's taking just more basic catch and shoots, he'll do well or do better. Uh, but yeah, I, I think the the fit with Cade, which I, I feel better basically knowing that Ivy wanted to come to Detroit and is not expecting to be the primary handler. Uh, like uh, in the last episode, I thought Bryce put it pretty well, uh, put it put it really well rather that Ivy is not uh, Detroit may not be the best fit for uh, for Ivy, but excuse me, Ivy may not be the best fit for Detroit, but but Detroit is the best place for Ivy because he's he's going to be a secondary handler. Uh, who's not really going to need to worry? Like Cade's going to be the primary guy. So I, yeah, I how, do, how do you how do you see the fit? Yeah, how do you how do you see the fit between the two of them? So I think that making it so that he's not the guy like he was at Purdue, not forcing up shots that were unnecessarily difficult, not being the primary ball handler. I think that's going to help that transition into the pros that much easier for Ivy. I think that what you see in college isn't necessarily the full potential of what a guy can go and do. I mean, we saw that in Toronto last year, obviously. Uh, But um, as far as 
the dimensions that he'll go and bring the potential to go and reel some of those bad shots back some and going and letting him grow into that secondary uh, off ball guy and secondary ball handler. It's going to, it's going to go and be a nice transition for us with Ivy. I think that he very well is going to come off of the bench early on. Well, you think provide so? an extra spark to us to, to go in and provide some energy off of the bench. I think that his defense, it, it's harked on a little bit, but I, I think he's going to be able to go and have more of a motor on that end also, which should go and make his defense look a little bit better uh, while he's going and playing, whether that's fighting through screens or uh, playing a little bit more man-to-man. So I, I think that he's he's going to look a lot better uh, at some of the areas that we were thinking were his deficiencies. Uh, and he's, he's probably not going to be... Uh, as, oh, what would you go and say? He, he's, he's not going to go and, and have as many rough spots with the, those bad shots, but he's he's going to look a little bit more efficient than what he looked at Purdue. Yeah, hope so, definitely. And it's worth noting, he wasn't really like the primary handler at Purdue, but he definitely was responsible for a lot of offense going downhill. And, and definitely the more ordered environment, which was he's going to be coached much more closely. He'll have more space than he did at Purdue too. He's not going to be on the floor with, uh, but basically two centers who can't shoot. And uh, that's the Purdue way. Uh, what'd you say? That's the Purdue way. That's the Purdue way. All right. Fair enough. So, but yeah, let's get to that fit with Cade, which of course is going to be the operative thing. And that that's really what I was worried about before the draft, uh, which yeah was basically like, how are you going to get these guys to, to work together? If, you know, if Ivy, if really what he's going to be doing a lot of the time is just attacking downhill with the ball in his hands, which is, which was his bread and butter at Purdue. But, yeah, felt a lot better knowing that he wanted to come to Detroit. It's like he only worked out for Detroit and Orlando, Orlando being the team with the number one overall pick. So uh, d- definitely the Pistons would not have drafted him if they, if they didn't think that he was willing to, to play that secondary role. And uh, yeah, I see him as kind of a guy like Cade, for example, drives in and occupies a lot of attention. And then he can kick it out to Ivy, and Ivy can just blast in through the open lane. And at, you know, at very at the worst, at least he's drawing more help and the ability to kick it out to somebody else. So just add really a different dimension. I think that's a dimension that a guy like Mather wouldn't be able to go and provide us. So I I, I can see what the front office is envisioning. You know, Mather and he's not a great ball handler. He's not really that great of a passer. He's a great three and D type of a guy that you know, I think right out of the gate, he would have looked better next to Cade than what Ivy will look like. Mm-hmm. But I think longer term with that upside that Ivy presents, I mean, he's going to go in and work on his shot over the next couple of years. And I think that he has more of that star potential, not just a three and D type of a guy uh, that, that you'd get in Mather. And so I'm pretty excited as far as, you know, you, you, you bring your, your, your big bat to the ballpark and you swing for the fences and that's exactly what they did with that pick. So I'm, I'm happy with that. You know, we're trying to get out of mediocrity that we've been in for over a decade now. Yeah, definitely. I think that the high upside swing was what both of us wanted. Uh, that was kind of the, what the worry with Murray. It's like, well, where are you going to find that potential number two, number three guy? Obvi- uh, I think obviously has that upside. I like and, the unintentional rhyme. Uh, yeah, definitely. Yeah. And, and Mather and, you know, I think could get there as far as a good score. I don't think he was ever going to have the ceiling that Ivy has. And really, uh, like one of the, one of the big issues with him is, was his ability to drive in and, and attack the rim effectively is something that Ivy is, is of course probably going to have a very good time doing, but it'll, it'll take some time for him to refine it. 
But I, I think going yeah. into the draft, uh, you know, if, if you look two weeks going into the draft, I, I was still wondering a little bit about Sharp as uh, being another guy. And after the workout process and what came out, I'm elated that we did not take Sharp. Yeah, I think I think he was out of consideration, like not not very long after the lottery. I think they had really narrowed it down. I think Sharp was just too much mystery for them. Um, but I, yeah, it's so, yeah, Ivy, I mean, the, the role I envision for him is, like I've said many times, kind of like Maxi next to Harden, like a guy who, you know, moves explosively off the ball. Hopefully, you know, Ivy will be, need to be able to shoot threes, hopefully to, at a good clip. Um, but but basically just plays the secondary handler role to a T, uh, maximizing his own assets. And with Ivy, that's, of course, his athleticism and his ability to to get to the basket quickly. And just being that willing secondary handler, which it seems like he will be. And it was great to see how excited he was to be in Detroit. I think a John Morant light with a little bit less of the ball handling is uh, not a um, bad, optimistic type of a view of what he can potentially become. Mm. It, it, it's it's going to be... Uh, what he goes and puts in ultimately and uh, how the coaching staff goes and, and works with him on, on refining some of his inadequacies, especially uh, him sh- shooting the deep ball a little bit more efficiently. Uh, I think that's going to be key. Yeah. Decision-making too. I mean, I don't like to compare him too much to John. I mean, John's just unique as in, in his own way, like uh, just incredibly creative at attacking the, at attacking the basket in the way that Ivy isn't um, in between game. Ivy obviously needs his needs as well. Uh, just something to make to, to keep defenses honest, to just keep them from backing off in the restricted area. He hasn't got that yet, uh, but yeah. So uh, you know, Jaws got that, of course, and it's probably better passing sense than than Ivy has. The hope is that Ivy will be a much better defender than Morant, who is awful defensively. And so and and also just have be able to play more effectively off the ball because Jaws, yeah, like you said, you know, ball yeah, how, dominant. How tall is Jaws? Is he uh, six two? Yeah, yeah so, probably so, roughly still, the still, same height. Yeah. Ivy will play I mean, at six I mean, three. Ivy's officially six four, uh, at least from Purdue. I, I don't know if that's what he measured in at, but I mean, we're we're, we're not going to have a short back court, which will be nice. Yeah. So there's another thing is that uh, that assuming that Moran's listed weight is accurate, Ivy's like twenty pounds heavier than he is. So yeah, that 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 that's also going to be an operative factor. But uh, yeah, I would I would foresee more of a maxi like role with more explosiveness. But I'd be I, happy definitely. With that. Yeah. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Of course, Maxi is a high percentage shooter, but uh, yeah, but yeah, like it, you said, his, his game takes... coming out of college is was way different. Maxi was always a three ball shooter in college. I thought he was uh, t- he was a pretty bad shooter in college, if I remember correctly, wasn't he? He was streaky. He was streaky. He was yeah, streaky. I mean, he, he tore MSU up he, uh, in his first game uh, when it was Kentucky versus MSU. Uh, I mean, he he tore MSU a new butthole. <laughs> yeah. Fair enough. Yeah. So. But yeah, and, and his first year in the NBA, I believe he was in the 20s in, in terms of three-point percentage. He got into the 40s last season. It was, it was a very impressive uh, sophomore campaign, like uh, nearly most improved player worthy. So looking forward to seeing it. Like you said, uh, it, they're, they're, I agree there will be some growing pains in his, uh, in his first season, and that's fine. That's where the Pistons are right now, and they have all the, you know, they've got a lot of time to make it work, and Dwayne Casey's good with that. So uh, let's move on to the second. I got yeah, one sorry, more thing to go and add. I, yeah, I mean, ahead. alluding to what you had mentioned early on, bringing bring the guy that's got the family home with his mom playing for the Shock at one point. It's a cool story. Grandfather playing for the Lions with his uh, dad playing for Detroit Country Day. 
I don't know if you got a chance, Mike, to go and see that uh, yeah, I did, yeah. that the team had with all the jerseys that they're giving him. And I, I don't know if Ivy's actually an emotional guy like that all the time or if it's just because he's getting wined and dined by the team. But when you go and look at these pictures of him being in the Pistons locker room, uh, that picture that uh, some of the From viewers, 2017, yeah. the listeners may have gone and seen with uh, Steph Curry, I, I, I'm really ecstatic to go and have another guy that wants to be in Detroit. Yeah. He's uh he's definitely a passionate player. I think that's just how he is. He's just an it's, it seems like he's an emotional, passionate player, and that's cool. Uh, it. Yeah, you've kind of got uh, it's it's another contrast with Cade. I was obviously this is neither good nor bad, but it's it's funny. I mean, Cade's really this slow, methodical guy. He doesn't really show all that much emotion, and Ivy being the uh, more flashy, explosive guy who's super passionate. Uh, so I'm I'm just really excited to see them together, and I, I feel good about the future with that. Speaking of guys who wanted to be in Detroit. Like move to the second draftee. It was really the, uh, well, I don't know. Ivy was a surprise, but uh, an even bigger surprise. This was Jalen Duran. Uh, had for what was basically Jeremy Grant and, uh, you know, the 2025 pick that, that the Pistons got in exchange for him and taking on $10 million, or a little bit over $9 million from Kemba Walker and a cap dump for the Knicks, uh, which, yeah, so that, that, that turned out to be the, uh, the return on the Grant trade. So, uh, yeah, when that came out, the Knicks were – it was said we're still trying to trade for Ivy. Apparently, several teams tried to trade for him. Uh, it was said, I don't remember if it was Weaver. I think it was Arn uh, Tellum, I believe, who said that it was a crazy night. And, you know, in, in terms of teams trying to trade for him and just been just super busy in, in, uh, in the front office during the draft. So at, at first, it seemed like the, the Pistons were sending out Ivy in exchange for the pick that become Duran. It did not turn out to happen. Uh, you and I, there, by the way. Yeah, that was a tense few minutes. But we have been talking. Uh, like us and and uh, many other fans had had been talking, uh, we're talking about uh, Detroit Pistons Discord. Here. You should check it out. Great community about like the possibility of getting that pick in exchange for taking on Hayward's sixty-one million dollars, and the Pistons got it for the future first and and nine million dollars. Yeah, so I, I I was really worried about the potential for taking on Hayward's bloated contract. I, I wasn't against the idea if we got one of uh, Charlotte's picks, but at the same time, I, I couldn't be happier when I, I found out what the details of this trade or uh, multitude of trades that ended up in getting that 13th pick that became Duren was. Duren just, he, he, he brings a guy that he, he can play great defense. You're, you're going to be able to go and have another guy that can play above the rim. And I, I think the experiment with Marvin Bagley with the second half of the season after we traded for him. I, I think that Duran's going to be able to provide so much more upside than a guy like Bagley brings while bringing about the same type of, uh, at least with closer uh, range to the basket uh, with him going and being able to be that lob threat, being a post-up threat. Uh, while I, also I don't bringing... know about post-up threat. He was, he was awful in the post at, uh, at Memphis, but you don't have to be good in the post in the NBA. I mean, maybe I'm going and miswording this a little bit here, but he, he's good for a couple of dunks a game if he's getting the play time. I mean, all yeah. of his highlights are basically playing defense and going in and getting a bunch of jams. So yeah, hopefully we go and work on some range with him over time. You know, I think he's going to be somebody that we're going to bring along pretty slowly this first year especially with our trade from tonight, which I think we'll probably be getting to uh, a little bit later yeah. here. But I, I think that the fact that we're going to be able to bring him along slowly also, I, I think that's fantastic. 
Absolutely. Yeah. So, I mean, when that trade came up, like, I just didn't get it. I was like, how do the Pistons get this pick, like, without really having to do much of anything? You don't have to take on Hayward's contract. You don't really need to give up anything. And it was great. I mean, the Pistons, I would say, unequivocally won that trade. I mean, Charlotte just didn't want to take on both of those picks. They just wanted, they wanted Mark Williams. They didn't want to have that, uh, that extra salary, apparently, uh, because they might be butting up against the tax, uh, you know, after they presumably sign Miles Bridges. We'll talk about him, too. Uh, yes, but I figured they, we would. Yeah, my my head was, I mean, I was like just overcome with relief when the Pistons took Ivy and like I was just, I was just really stoked. And when Duran came along and Duran was a guy I really would have liked from pick number 10 onward. And like my head just started really swimming. Like I'd done a ton of draft research and I could not, I, like my head, I was, I was like, I don't want to call it emotional, but like I was so like cognitively overcome by this good news that I could not remember who was left on the board after him. Like when other teams I, I would have been happy with taking Duran as high as seven. If oh, we well, yeah, gotten- I mean. If we would have gotten Portland's actual pick that they used to go in and take Sharp, and we we took Duran at that point, I would not have been disappointed with him. But at thirteen, I mean, that's that's just huge value. Yeah, it was great value, definitely. I mean, I, I wouldn't have been unhappy with it at number seven. Uh, there are some like the, the questions about Duran are all going to be on offense. I think, like on defense, like you can go back there. I, I recorded a short episode about about Duran and, and Mark Williams, where I talked about this uh, with more detail. And Mark Williams was more or less just in there to talk about like uh, like more outdated versus newer traditional centers. So Duran on defense can protect the rim, good interior defender, and can switch. So a guy who's not going to lose too much when you drag him out to the perimeter and force him to defend there because he's got he can drop into a low stance and defend against quicker guys. He's got quick feet. He's super long. Uh, that's the kind of guy you want in the postseason. Strong switch defender. I, I Questions? Think, yeah. I think surrounding him with guys uh, like. Uh, with a beef stew like now with a Noel who we'll be talking about presumably a little bit later. Mm-hmm. I, I think those are going to be great guys to go and have around during for his development. Yeah. So, I mean, guys who can play ahead of him or guys, guys who can maybe help him out, uh, you know, as, show him the you ropes. Know, as he's looking, yeah, show him the ropes. Definitely. Uh, because yeah, Duran's raw, like the guys. And I mean, that's fine. The guy's like 18. He should have been, this should have been his senior year. He of high school. He reclassified. And, so, like, on defense, good instincts, aggressive shot blocker, really good inside-and-out defender. Uh, it's got some kinks to to worry it, to work out there. It's really on offense. Like, his touch around the basket is kind of shaky, um, and his free throw shooting is not very good. Oh, that's all the highlights are just dunking it. <laughs> yeah, he'll be dunking it a lot, definitely. But He's explosive. Uh, he, is, he is explosive. Yeah. In terms of a leaper, I mean, a lot of it's reach. He's still a good leaper. I mean, if he has a runway though, he's definitely going to, he's definitely going to catch uh he's definitely going to get up there and he can definitely dunk it off of, uh, off the roll. Be a strong role, man. It's something you need for Cade. For example, it's something Isaiah Stewart can't give you. I, I and, think that, yeah. I'm sorry to interrupt, but I, I think that the, the big shocker was that when Charlotte was picking yeah, that that was exactly the type of guy that Charlotte needed. Now, mm-hmm. granted, Williams was also on the board. I don't know uh, who went fifth or who went fourteen. Do you remember? No, but it wasn't somebody who was going to want a center. So Charlotte was uh, was comfortable waiting. They took fifteen instead of thirteen because it'll be a lower salary. That, that's exactly what I figured with that move. Is they took the fifteen slot because both of their guys were there at thirteen. So mm-hmm. they 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 didn't need two centers. They they just needed one. And they obviously felt a little bit stronger about Williams and, you know, so be it. That works in our favor. Yeah. So in terms of uh, just to go back to Duran, 
Yeah. So on offense, I mean, the, the concern about Duran is like his touch around the basket right now is not good. You hope that that improves. Like on layups, I mean, on dunk, on dunks, whatever. I mean, he can definitely dunk the ball. Though he doesn't doesn't go up too explosively. So hopefully that doesn't become an issue in the NBA. But the concern about him is that if his touch around the basket is poor and his free throw shooting doesn't improve, maybe you don't really have a very high efficiency traditional center there, which isn't ideal. But if he can get that together, great. He's shown some passing upside, and that would be awesome. Like whether out of the short roll or just down low, and there's maybe an inkling of these uh, short jumpers. You know, these these jumpers from short range, which are tough to make efficient. I wouldn't bank on it, but that would be great too. So, but really, the defense is where it's at, and you hope the offense comes along. Yeah, I, I mean, he shot something like almost sixty percent at Memphis, and a lot of his shots were you know dunks. Were dunks. And yeah. so, obviously, you know, what kind of range is he going to have? His his range really. If you if you extrapolate extrapolate his free throw percentage out, it's not pretty, and so he's going to be a developmental player as far as his offensive game goes. But what yeah. he can bring on defense and with at least a somewhat above average athlete, that's going to be a dimension that we oh, just haven't yeah. had. He's a good athlete. Like I, I I don't think he's an elite athlete, but he's a very good athlete, definitely for his position. Well, he he's not a top ten NBA athlete. Like, <laughs> oh, give me uh, some. apparently ideas. <laughs> don't, so, don't bust my chops, yeah. So I, I, I'm, uh, gonna, I'm gonna bust your balls on that. You're gonna bust balls about that? Just busting balls, yeah, for any of you Sopranos fans. So uh, the thing about Williams, why well, I would say uh, so, this is just the difference between he and Williams, and I, I think that Charlotte took Williams because he's more ready made. You can put oh, him on he, the court. He's they NBA ready. Yeah, they desperately need a good center, or uh, just a, a good, a decent enough center, and he's NBA ready. Lower ceiling, higher floor, lower ceiling, because Williams, he's not a strong, basically, so he's going to be targeted in the playoffs on switches. He's probably not going to be a very playable center in the playoffs uh, because he's going to get drawn out to the perimeter. He's not good on switches. You're going to lose his interior defense that way, and he can't earn it back on offense in the other end. But in the regular season, he'll be fine for them, and that's what they needed. Well, you, Durant, you, said, you said a word that uh, just going and looking at team goals for this season – uh, yeah. makes the, the, the picks of uh, Duran versus Williams uh, different for the two teams. You have the word playoffs. Yeah, We don't have playoff yeah. aspirations really playoffs. this year. Yeah. Playoffs? We're talking about playoffs here? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I just hope we can win a game. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Sorry, it's Jim <laughs> exactly. Mora. It's a, a famous, uh, a famous uh, football interview. So, yeah, so higher ceiling, higher floor of lower ceiling. Duran's got a significantly higher ceiling. The question is if he'll get there. Like, He's going to be very likely brought along slowly, though. We may not see a great deal of him next season. Uh, it be depend on depend on his performance. So a guy who's got a who could be very good, but it's going to take some time. But we're, uh, we're throwing shit yeah. at the fan, and, and and we're trying to see. <laughs> I don't what know sticks. about that. I don't know about that. Uh, I don't think you want to throw shit at a fan. I think you're talking about throwing uh, throwing some you know throwing uh, stuff at the shit wall. At the wall. Sticks. Yeah, uh, I'm making up my, my own 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 terms here. Yeah. So. Uh, when it comes to the fit, I think uh, what you hope, I mean, Duran's going to give you a good role, man. And you hope that he can develop that passing and that short jumper to use it out of the short role. And just in, and that'll be a strong score on the interior on offense that's created for him. And yeah, I think, yeah, basically, if, if he can do that at a high level, uh, you know, at a good level and play high level defense, that's a good player. It's definitely now, a good do, player. Do you think high uh, defensive he, upside? Do you think that he's got a timeline for when he possibly pers- uh, possibly pursues or passes uh, Stu on the depth chart? 
Uh, I don't know. I would say next season at the earliest. I mean, I, yeah, I, I don't think for the record, like, I don't, I don't think that the, to talk of maybe you just move Stewart to power forward, uh, holds, I don't think Stewart's going to play power forward ever. I, I mean, don't buy that. He's, yeah, he's, he's too immobile. I mean, on offense, it's, you got to be able to do more than just shoot threes. I mean, he's, he's not really, the mobility is just not there. Well, he only and shot on, threes like the last 10 games. Yeah. But even if he can do it, just the mobility is not, I, like power forwards these days are mobile for a reason. It's a perimeter, you know, it's, it's really, it's a perimeter position. Now you want these guys to, uh, to be active so that they can help to unhinge opposing defenses and on defense. I mean, so much of his utility is bound up in defending the interior. And if you force him to play on the perimeter and run around screens and cover ground on the interior, it's going to hurt and you're going to get a lot less out of him. Yeah. I, I think optimistically waiting until next year for Dern to hopefully take that, uh, starting center role is probably about as optimistic as one can be for him looking forward. I, I, I don't think that Stu is our future starting center. So no, I, mean, I think yeah. that, that the hope is that Dern develops fairly rapidly, but still at a comfortable pace. I, I, I don't yeah. have lights out expectations for him this year. No, me neither. Uh, you think that, I mean, my, my supposition is that the, the organization is hoping for kind of like a 26 minutes, 22 minutes split between them at center going forward with Duran, it's just the starter playing those 26 minutes. I, not going to be good because they're both high energy. High for yeah. the first month, at least of the season. Oh no, not this season. I'm talking about like two or three seasons. Oh, oh long-term. Yeah, I, yeah. I think long-term that would be more realistic for sure. Yeah, definitely. And like Stewart, like his issue, you can't run the roll short, can't jump, not the strongest score under the basket. Uh, and bad hands. catching passes. Yeah. Bad hands. And Cade, needs a good role, man. Like we saw what Marvin Bagley added just by being able to roll explosively to the basket and jump high and then finish at a high percentage uh, around the rim. I, I so, think that's what yeah. brought Dern here ultimately is the Marvin Bagley experience. May have been. Yeah. I mean, Troy Weaver was big. Uh, I think the defense though, I mean, Marvin Bagley. <laughs> well, that <laughs> too. Not, not, I, I not mean, there. I, we're, but, we're, but yeah, you can see how important it was. Yeah. You could see how important it was for Cade to have that role, man though. Yeah, and that, I think we were thought really highly. Yeah, absolutely. No vertical spacer until February. And I think we were thought very highly of his defensive potential as well. So yeah, he brings an element that Stewart can't. And I think that's, what's going to consign Stewart to the bench. But you know, if you have two strong switchable inside and out defenders, you can play in the playoffs. Fantastic. And these are guys, Stewart plays with high energy. Duran hopefully will play with high energy. And those are guys who you don't want to play like 36 minutes a game. One of the so, nice things that this yeah. goes and helps out is the incessant foul issue that that Stu has had so far, you know, how, how many times has it just killed our team when Stu got into foul trouble early and had to be benched, and then we have nobody that can go and play defense at the center position? Oh, yeah, that's happened. I mean, Plumlee was eh, average at best. Olenek, of course, was not brought in for his defense. And, well, uh, and, and Garza, Olenek is yeah. still a big question mark for me, but, you know, case yeah. Rossera. Yeah, definitely. So, yeah, looking good going forward, though. And then there was uh, uh, Gabriel Presida, I believe I'm pronouncing that right. So That's the story here was, yeah, the, the Pistons were looking to trade that pick, presumably, mm-hmm. because they didn't think they would ever roster space or opportunity. They couldn't trade it. So they picked a guy who's a strong 3 and D prospect. I mean, or at least three. I don't know about his D. Shoots three as well. will be a good, uh, you know, competent, probably above average athlete at the NBA level. Uh, but the fact that he is a foreign player and could be stashed, basically means you just leave him in Europe. You don't have to, he doesn't count against the cap or the roster limit was a consideration. Yeah. I, I think the, the aim with Procedo is just to go and 
save a roster slot this year, see what he does in Europe. You know, I, I, I don't know too much about Proceed on the whole. I mean, I've, I've gone and looked up a, a few uh, clips and some analysts or analysis, pardon me, uh, with regards to how his game looks. And he, he definitely looks like he's more of an athlete than you would expect for a guy mm-hmm. taking that late. Uh, he's definitely got some explosive moves. Uh, he, he looks like he's able to go and shoot the three ball pretty adeptly. Uh, the question mark is, you know, what can he go and do against NBA athletes on the defensive end? And can he go and show that same type of athleticism against NBA players as opposed to guys in Europe? Uh, I, I think that he's a nice guy to go and just see what he develops into in Europe, though. Uh, all right. So before we move on to free agency, a quick word from our sponsors at DraftKings. The action never ends at DraftKings Sportsbook, especially this summer. With tons of ways to bet on all your favorite sports, you can fuel your fandom and feel the heat of the season like never before. Plus, right now, DraftKings Sportsbook is giving new customers a risk-free bet of up to $1,000. That's right. Make your first bet up to $1,000, and if it doesn't win, you'll get another shot to cash in. You can throw down on all the major action with baseball, golf, MMA, and more. Plus, with same-game parlay spreads, money lines over under some props, your betting options feel endless. Uh, best of all, DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable. You can deposit and withdraw your cash whenever you want. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code TBPN. Make your first deposit and get a risk-free bet of up to $1,000. That's promo code TBPN, only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Minimum major eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. Okay, on to free agency and what looks like it's going to turn into a fairly long episode. So uh, first, who stays, who goes for the Pistons? Hamadou Diallo had his player option for the following season activated, whatever the Pistons are keeping him. And we found out today that Luka Garza, Frank Jackson, and Carson Edwards, who was always gone, uh, are being set loose. So, Pamadou, happy you staying. How do you feel? Absolutely. Uh, I'm excited that we're keeping Hamadou. I think of all of our guys that had the potential to uh, return next year, I think Hamadou was my number one guy to go and retain. And so yeah. I, I, I know that he's not been the best of uh, shooters uh, obviously, yeah, the optimism is that he develops any kind of shot beyond the three-point line. And then if that's the case, he becomes an excellent-looking player. I mean, he's got good defense. He's got uh, you know some of the best athleticism in the entire league. If you want to go and talk about a top-10 athlete <laughs> in the league. Now, Hami, Hami, I would go and agree with. If you, if you went and told me that Hamadou Diallo was a top-10 athlete, Absolutely would agree with you, Mike. Absolutely. But uh, very glad to go and see that we kept Hami. Yeah, definitely. I'm uh, Long-time listeners know that I'm a big Hamadou fan. Yeah, his defense, like I think he's got good defense potential. He can stick with anybody. It's more about his awareness, which I hope can improve. Uh, like he can he can get a little bit lost out there occasionally. But uh, excellent athlete, like excellent at, uh, at attacking the basket and uh, just high energy, works hard. Uh, like, yeah, if he can, it's all about the shot. Like if we can get that shot together, then he's a dangerous offensive player because if he can shoot it, you got to watch him at the three-point line. He can blow by you if you're too close. Uh, if you have to close out on him, you're finished because he's just going to absolutely blow by you. And you know, he's a half-decent passer who can find the open man. So uh, that he's would be okay great. Passer. Yeah. He's, he's, he's not a world beater with his vision, but uh, I think on the whole, his game really one step, yeah. that, that that extra yeah. dimension with his shooting. And, yeah. and he's a great lottery pick, so to speak. He's a young guy still that could potentially, with a little bit of extra work, go and get that three ball, maybe even a little bit more mid-range shot. And he, he'd look good. Yeah. I don't know. I'd, I'd be fine just with the three mid-range. Most guys don't get that. But 
Yeah, definitely a good lottery ticket. I think it was the term you were looking for. Well, uh, well, if he can go and just if he can just go and and have that threat of going and pulling up versus going and taking it to the hole where where they just go and cut off his lane to the hoop, yeah. I think that would still add a dimension to his game that would make oh, him definitely. that much more unguardable. So, does he need to go and have a three ball? Yeah. If you go and take a look at the way that the modern NBA is played. That, that's the ideal. I, I still think even if he goes and has something like a 14, 16 footer, does that make him all the more dangerous and all the more playable? Absolutely. Yeah, but not with a three, not without a three. I mean, I, I think I, I think the, just being being a reliable three point shooter, I think is the difference for him between being like, a you know, maybe like a high teens point per game scorer and being a depth player, because like you just can't get by without if you're a spacing liability, unless you're a very special player and he's not without the ball you know he's, he's not yeah, that special yeah he, he's not there yet maybe he'll never yeah. maybe he'll never be but yeah. i i think that it's still nice to go and have him for his potential oh absolutely yeah and that that's what this was i believe is you're giving him another year to see if he can get it together as a shooter and if he can yeah you've, you've got another really good score who knows maybe he's your small forward of the future you have bay a power forward and uh or, or he's a trade asset you know if you're not playing him off the bench so definitely agree uh frank jackson uh i feel like what did him in was that like on paper it's like a guy who's pretty you know who's who's actually quite athletic can run off screens uh shoot move shoot motion threes attack the you know attack closeouts and so on i think what did him in is he had his down season and there was the question and they wanted the cap space and there was the question of you know was 2020 2021 just a blip that he couldn't repeat yeah his his shooting he's only had one good year with shooting overall So yeah. he, he's not a big loss. I mean, I would have been okay with keeping him because he, he had, what, $3 million on his contract this year? Yeah. I, I mean, it, it wouldn't have been the worst-case scenario for, like, a 13th man or so to go and be, on the con- be under contract with that $3 million. But I, I think that he has very limited upside. So with somebody that far down the depth chart, you might as well go and see who's out there. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's. I think it was about the roster space. I mean, with Bagley, to will presumably be retained. The Pistons will have eleven guys in the roster already, and uh, you know, and also that three million is not much, but uh, but who knows? So, well, I are, wish are well. you going and yeah. talking about before our move tonight, or yeah, yeah? Uh, I mean, even yeah, uh, who knows? Maybe I mean the Pistons still have quite a, a fair amount of space left, but actually not a ton once they resign Bagley. But uh, yeah, so I wish Frank well. Not 100% confident he'll get it together in the NBA. I think I think if Ivy had not been the pick, he probably would have been staying. But there's only so much space there. I think the Pistons want to sign another veteran in the backcourt who's more reliable. I'd agree with all of your assessment on that. Yeah. Uh, Luka Garza. I know you're sad to see him go. I oh, think man. I, I'm wall. terribly sad about that. Yeah. On, a, on an emotional level, maybe. Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah basketball absolutely. Level, yeah. Not, not that I think that he's a good player. Um, sorry, Luka. Sorry, Frank. Yeah. So Luca was always a flyer, you know, the hope that maybe you could translate that NCAA offense to the NBA. Unfortunately, post offense is extremely difficult to translate and just being a shooter was not going to be enough for him to balance out his complete incapacity to defend at the NBA level. I mean, I'm going to go and miss the Frank Twitter posts and seeing these uh, unique workouts that Luca has though. We're going to be missing out on a super fan. Yeah. So, uh, for, for those uh, who haven't been listening since, well, for those who weren't listening last time, we'll put it that way. We have uh, from, I believe, August last year, we had Frank Garza on the show. You know, it was, we had a great time with him. 
and he talked about some of Luca's workouts. So Luca, by all accounts, just a great guy, like a super team oriented guy. Everybody loved him, uh, but he can't defend in space at the NBA level. Like he was going to be attacked hard. Uh, like in the postseason, would have been completely unplayable. Even in the regular season, just he couldn't do it. And uh, yeah, I mean, and, and that that's basically going to nix you at the NBA level. Period. Plus, you can't run him as third string because then you have to play him if one of your centers gets gets injured. Gars is about fifteen or twenty years past uh, his ideal age for being in the uh, NBA, and I don't mean you know him being about a uh, four year old or seven year old. <laughs> I, I just mean that you know he there was an era in the NBA that he would have been a great asset to go and have, but. You know, that's the days of like a Greg Osterhag and stuff like that. His, mm. he, he's not really built for the current game with the spacing and with his lack of mobility. You know, I, I wish Luca the best. I hope he goes and catches on somewhere and goes and fulfills that dream of playing in the NBA. But I think he's Europe bound or maybe one day he'll be a Chinese uh, superstar. Yeah. I mean, just the, the, the athletic standard in the NBA is just, is, I mean, he just, he struggled to defend in space at the NCAA. And I mean, defend in space, you mean that anybody can blow by him. If he's forced to squish, he's finished. If he has to close out on somebody, he's never going to get there in time. He also, on the on offense, couldn't really run the roll. Can't roll explosively. Bad leaper, like very bad leaper, to, to put it lightly. Um, so it was fun watching him during uh, d- during that uh, that Spurs game in particular. I always remember that when it was just Diallo and Bay and Garza. And uh, yeah, we wish him well. Absolutely wish him well, and I think that Spurs game was uh, something that I hope that he always remembers because uh, I don't know if he'll ever have an NBA game that looks that good again. I, I hope for his sake he does, but I, I, I wish him well, and I just don't see it. Yeah, strong candidate to be on the Pistons Summer League roster, uh, but that would just be a Summer League contract, of course. Uh, not on a cost, Carson Edwards came to Detroit basically as a warm body to fill in minutes. Uh, Played four games, got paid like $75,000, and uh, his salary, yeah, and he was never coming back. You got anything to say about Carson? Uh, we'll see him in the G League. Yeah, another guy who might be on the Pistons Summer League roster, but I doubt it. Uh, fun fact about Carson, which is completely irrelevant to anything we're talking about, uh, he had almost identical measurements in the combine in his year uh, in terms of uh, strength and agility uh, to Dyson Daniels. Uh, that's a completely useless fact, but I thought it was interesting. Uh, okay. Yeah, yeah I, I, I'm not too keen on Dyson Daniels anyways, so I wouldn't be surprised if he ends up <laughs> looking like Carson Edwards. We'll put it that way. Uh, I think he'll be better than that, but uh, in terms of athleticism, they're fairly similar, I guess. But I, I think if he can get the three-point shot together, I think he can be an elite role player in the NBA between his defense and his court vision, just how smart he is. But That's still a big uh, if. Uh, what? I still think that's a big if. Yeah, it's it's a big if he gets his three point shot together. But yeah, I, I wasn't too interested in not uh, in him being drafted by the Pistons, but that became a moot point, of course. All right, so on to free agency. Yeah, so uh, the big news of the day about free agency, which really changes everything in terms of what the Pistons uh, will do or have done. Uh, so the Pistons traded, or excuse me, rather they uh, took on Nerlens Noel, Alec Burks, and two second round draft picks from the Knicks in the second salary dump in the last week. Of course, Kemba Walker being the salary, uh, being the other salary dump. Uh, so, oh, and six million dollars in cash, which has no salary cap implications. It's just that that, that, that cash considerations is important. Yeah, if you guys want something funny, go look uh, go look up uh, Portland and cash considerations. Like Portland got cash considerations for something back in like 2016, and they put out this tweet uh, with uh, a bag of cash and a microphone. 
Uh, and uh, yeah, I was, I just, I always thought that was funny. So uh, that's big news. Uh, it eats up a lot of the cap space that the Pistons would, uh, would have had otherwise. Uh, if my calculations are correct, and for whatever reason, they keep coming off a, a, a couple million off from, uh, from others I'm seeing, whatever the case, they'll have about $20 million uh, before signing Bagley. So uh, implications of this, Alec Burks, a good motion shooter, just high percentage shooter overall, probably a starting small forward bait with bait power forward. And Nerlens Noel is a guy who can be there to allow Duran to come across, come along slowly. Uh, but he's a lot threat and a really good defender. So you know, my initial impression on this trade is th- this is just to go and keep our cap space going into next year available. You know, both Noel and Burks, they have one and one options and they're both club options. So worst case scenario, we're not really shooting ourselves in the foot long term, which I think that's about as big of a win from this trade as anything. You know, yeah, we get those second round picks. So what? But yeah. I think just the fact that this does take us out of the running for these max contract type of guys that, quite frankly, I didn't think they were really worth it, whether it's going and throwing a max offer at a Miles Bridges or a DeAndre Ayton. Mm-hmm. I, I, I think that this at least goes in access protection against us going and screwing ourselves like we have with like uh, <laughs> oh, come on. with like Charlie V and Ben Gordon and Josh. I don't Smith. say those names. <laughs> oh God, you know, I'm 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 speaking blasphemy over here, but oh, dear. at the same time, you know, I'm I'm happy with this trade just for the fact that it does go in long term keep us these aspirations of being a player in an actual free agent class. This free agent class doesn't have any great big names. And if we would have gone and thrown a max offer at a guy like a miles bridges, like a Deandre Ayton, I I know there'd be some fans that would be really happy, but I just don't see how they go and fit with our team. Yeah. So I think, yeah, I, I didn't want Ayton. And I think after Duran became a part of the organization, that ship had sailed. And of course, now, as I said earlier, we talked about Miles Bridges not really thinking about the fact that, yeah, do not have cap space for him anymore. So that wasn't going to happen. Uh, I think the Hornets would have kept him anyway. They, I don't think they can really afford to lose him. There's a, a high cost to just losing a, a good young player like that for nothing. Yeah. I, uh, but I, I, shake, I shaky, yeah, shaky shooter. And I would have questioned his fit. Um, yeah. But, but as far as the actual players, I, I think that Burks is going to be that second starter on the wing. We're, we're going to go and have him in Bay. And he's a little bit of a streaky shooter from what I know about him. I'm, I'm not going to go and lie and say that I, I'm like a, a, a Burks aficionado here or anything. But, you know, he my understanding is he's a, a pretty streaky shooter, which, you know, that, that kind of can play into our hands sometimes when he's on, he's on, just like with Bay when he's on he's on and he could potentially down the road win you games now we got two guys that can go and shoot it in our starting lineup uh I I think that really though going and having a hard-nosed defensive center that is actually a viable starting center and I do think that Noel will probably go and start over Stu Uh, I I think that that's pretty nice to go and have you know we're, we're going and starting to go and show our mark for what we want to build our team into and Detroit, the great teams have always been this hard-nosed defensive team. That's exactly what Noel will bring for you. So you'll have that pretty much all game long with 
most of those minutes at center going to either beef stew or to, to Noel. And that's going to be a nice thing to have because of all that. Yeah. Well, that stew's gotten into, uh, not just that. Uh, so, yeah. Not just that. I mean, and, and about Burks, I can't speak to how he was before last season. He was pretty darned uh, consistent though. Make it from three point range and a high percentage shooter. Definitely over the last two seasons, uh, has, been at around i mean when you average together all of his games about like 45 excuse me like about 40.5 percent so above 40 i mean dangerous guy from three can shoot it off the move uh not going to be getting you much offense inside the arc i think he's not good there but he's that i I think if he can replicate last season high caliber shooter uh who's just going to provide good spacing in the starting lineup i like this trade not just the second round picks but because it gives the pistons two stopgap guys i think what this trade really brings us is that veteran presence that we've really not had. I mean, we've got Kojo, you know, Kelly O, not really that much of a upstanding uh, court presence, at least. I mean, great locker room guy, and he can go and shoot it. But we, we have these veterans that they're, they're going to be, as you said, a, a stopgap presence, and they're going to be contracts that are off the books next year. They're obviously not on our time frame as far as uh, their age. But at the same time, Noel will be able to go and work a little bit more on some of, uh, you know, the defensive uh, tricks of the trade for uh, Dern coming in here. I think Burks, he goes and and adds another wing to be a starting presence, which, you know, we need. He's a spacer. Yeah, We need the shooting. He can shoot, he spaces the floor, and that goes and helps the other guys go and develop that, you know, when we go and reach our ideal form, they're already used to going and having a floor spacer with them. Well, it's just so much things. It makes things a lot easier on Tate and on Ivy. I mean, I think spacing was a priority for the Pistons. And now you've got more in the starting lineup. Like I said, I just like it because I mean, the Pistons get two players who can help now. Uh, you know, Burke's good shooter. Great. Uh, not sure about his defense, but I think it's all right, if I remember correctly. And and Noel, yeah, that guy who can bring Duran along slowly. And I know you said before the show that uh, that on your free agent wish list, and I thought this was going to be a thing too, that was going to be necessary. You want a center who can come in and defend the rim and run the roll catch lobs and finish at a good clip in the interior. And that was going to be kind of like hard to find in this class. And you want that because it's possible Duran comes in next season and it's just not ready. So you want that third string guy who can step in and now you have him. I feel like if I was to go and compare prospects, uh, Duran, if you go in and look back at, at the way that Noel was being projected prior to his draft. Oh, right. I, you know, I, I think Duran is really in that same make and mold as, as what Noel has become. I mean, Noel had a, a little bit of unreasonable expectations, no fault of his own here, I think, uh, that he'd be so much more than what he is. But with Duran being the 13th pick, I think being a little bit better uh, than what Nerlens Noel is would be a, a pretty reasonable expectation long term, and you know that that's a good solid starter if you're going and looking at the ter- the thirteenth slot, and ha- what better player to go and bring in than the guy that I thought in the last <laughs> whatever decade or, or so uh, has been a comparable player to what Duran's. Uh, scouting report has read. Interesting. I hadn't thought about it that way. I mean, you hope that he is not the disappointment that Noel was, of course. But because uh, what Noel is right now, I mean, strong defender. You give that to him. Good athlete who can run the role. Uh, lob threats, strong finisher in the interior. Uh, but uh, 
yeah, he just, he has no agency on offense and you don't want him doing anything beyond just finishing anything at all beyond finishing stuff created for him by others around the basket. Speaking of agency, um, wasn't, uh, wasn't Noel the guy that, uh, he bet on himself against yes. his agents, uh, wishes yeah. and he, he turned down millions of dollars. I think he turned down 64 million from the Mavericks, yeah. which made them very happy. Yeah, but I but, but since, well since we're that. talking agency here, uh, just uh, <laughs> I I, I don't know if his agent that he had at that time is still his agent currently. No, I I think that there was a dispute, and he actually blamed his agent for that. But I'm I'm, I'm not pretty sure. sure that was the case. Yeah, uh, but who knows? Who knows what actually went uh, went on behind closed doors there? I think there was actually some, if I remember correctly, there were there was actually some, or there were actually some accusations brought against that agent by several players. But uh, I don't know. I don't know about that. So, yeah, so I think this is a good trade. I think the second round picks were just kind of icing and then the cash were just kind of icing on the cake. I think that Weaver took this trade because he just really liked what these players could offer in the now. And like you said, they can be gone next season if the Pistons want. Just turn down those options. That the 2023 class is weak. The cap space is helpful to have. You know, now you, you can do all sorts of things with cap space. The, the picks that we acquired, are those the Knicks picks or are those conveyed from other teams? Uh, so I'm actually not sure uh, which picks those are. Uh, I, I don't know if that's been released quite yet. I know the Knicks gave up a couple of second round picks. Uh, oh yeah, we can make fun of the Knicks for making an awful draft day trade. Where I mean, it looks better, a little bit better now with all this stuff folded into it because it basically, well, still it wasn't good. Here's one something I want to say, and that I forgot to say during the draft segment. The Pistons used to be one of the most incompetent teams in the league, like with the Kings and the. <laughs> And the uh, and the Knicks, and then yep. on draft nights, the Pistons are now competently run, and they completely took advantage. I mean, the Kings took Murray and let uh, let Ivy drop to the Pistons, and then the Knicks really helped to facilitate a trade that was horrible for them in terms of the assets they gave up uh, for uh, for Jalen Duran. Well, so, there, there was that yeah. one meme poster that was going around of you know basically showing all these players that were picked after the the kings went and came <laughs> oh no uh, yeah too bad for them pass. and if that holds true you know we made the right pick by picking after the kings yeah uh all right so <laughs> yeah and the kings unloaded all these players so that they could make a run at jalen brunson who by all accounts plans to sign with the knicks so uh yeah so we don't see uh, anything about which second round picks those are right now. I'm sure we'll find out in upcoming days. But like I said, I think those were just the icing on the cake. So, uh, yeah, so I, I think this was a good move. We're, we're becoming buddy-buddy with the Knicks, though. Uh, yeah, that's true. Um, well, I guess. I mean, thanks, Knicks, I guess, for Duran. I mean, that made <laughs> – you would, you would think that with this uh, $30 million they took on from the Knicks, even just getting Duran – would, would be a good bet. All this salary is gone next year. Wouldn't have been like Hayward, but uh, yeah. So, but you got two good veterans, two useful veterans. You got Duran. You got a couple of second round picks. Uh, the Pistons, of course, Jeremy Grant was in there, basically functionally speaking, because you sent out the pick you got for him. But whatever. Going, so I like in, it. Now, yeah. Going into yeah. tonight, I actually thought that we were a strong candidate to make a trade with the Knicks, but that wasn't the trade that I thought we were going to make. Oh, uh, you thought it was going to be Fournier. Yep, I, I thought that that trading for Fournier uh, and you know possibly optimistically maybe for flexibility in the future, uh, our our first round pick that yeah we've got owed by owned by them currently. I thought that mm-hmm. was going to be the trade that we made, but I, I I still am not surprised that we traded with the Knicks. It's just what the trade actually was is a bit of a surprise. 
but uh, yeah, overall, a pleasant one. Yeah, I would have been surprised to see that first round pick come back because that was that was basically, I mean, that that was a, uh, I mean, it was one of the picks they got from Oklahoma City for trading away number eleven. So, um, and in any case, uh, let's move on to the other big free agent question. That's Marvin Bagley. Uh, by uh, the information we have, the Pistons still, after acquiring Nerlens Noel, plan to uh, plan to resign Marvin Bagley. They they extended his qualifying offer. All that means is that he's now a restricted free agent. He has a giant cap hold that will probably come off. Well, I don't know if it's as important that it comes off the books early now, but I anticipate that a deal has probably already been discussed. So uh, another shot on upside. I'm happy that Bagley would be back. I don't, maybe one or two, one or two guaranteed years in the team option or, or two plus one with the player option. Hard to say, but a good upside swing. Another one. Do you think that uh, Bagley has a shot of starting? No. <clears throat> so I think Burks is going to be the starter now because of the shooting that he provides. And uh, so Bagley, Bagley's a tweener in the sense that he he can't play defense at center. No, like, period. Like, not at all. Yeah, and and like just the you have to have the acumen at the NBA level to play defense. You have to be able to make a split second the right reads and the right decisions on a split second in a split second basis against incredibly skilled and in, for the most part extremely athletic basketball players. And Bagley cannot do that in the interior. So can't play defense at center. And uh, on the other end, I mean, he's got to be a shooter to to play power forward. And he's been awful at shooting. Yeah, for the most he, part. he's like, just not efficient. A 19, I mean, different from three is not. From the interior, he's very strong at finishing. At yeah, finishing. But, but he doesn't fit what, what a modern power forward is. Yeah, modern power forward, no, absolutely. He shot like 19% on wide open threes last season, which is that requires no description. It was, I'll just say it anyway, it was awful. So if he wants to stick in the NBA, I mean, he's got to be a shooter no matter what position he's playing because he's going to be giving up a lot on defense. So project player still. Yep. If he can get a shot together, I mean, I think the Pistons would be happy with role, with with uh, with postseason role player off the bench. Yeah, I, I don't think long-term that Bagley projects as a starter anymore. And no. you know, to, to his credit, he's got that fresh start in Detroit, still fresh off of the trade from the middle of last year, where he doesn't have that pressure on him to have to be that guy. And so he can go and play into a role that he's more well suited for, and that's okay. I, I, I and he wants to be in Detroit too, so I, I'm happy with keeping him here. I kind of am okay with that cap hold that technically right now puts us over the cap threshold. I think, yeah, you know, I, I go think that's going to keep us from going and doing anything stupid in free agency. And <laughs> oh man, <laughs> you, you know what? You were, you were scarred by Joe Dumars. Yeah, you were the, scarred by Joe Dumars. Oh God, Joe! Joe just completely scarred me. And and the only thing that he really did right after that uh, 2003 draft is uh, he went. No, and not 2000. Speed. Well, 2003 draft was awful. I would say the only thing he did, he didn't do very much right after the championship. Well, I I I think that really just that the last thing after 2003 that he did right was he went and traded for Sheed. And yeah, so exactly. yeah, I, I'm scarred. I'm a scarred man. And yeah, so, so when yeah. we go and say not doing anything stupid with having this cap space locked up with, with the cap hold from Bagley, I, I, I feel relieved that we can't do that. And so yes. that's part of being a long-term Pistons fan. Yeah. So this guy, uh, just to give you, so he was, I was not around during the late Dumars era. I wasn't watching at that point. Um, I wasn't like a, like a Pistons, uh, like a, a hardcore basketball fan at that point. I was I was much more into the NHL and the Red Wings in particular. So and and I came back to basketball in 2014. 
uh, during that great run after Josh Smith was waived. Uh, now Josh Smith plays into this as well. Basically, Dumar is his thing. What's half cap space? Spend cap space, even if oh, it was really yeah. bad decisions. <laughs> ben Gordon, Charlie V, that that offseason and, and Josh broke Smith. me. That that, but but the the first one that really yeah. made me jaded was was that Ben Gordon, Charlie V offseason. I knew that they weren't going to be great at that time, and we just we we saved all that cap space up to go and piss it away. And so yeah. we what what happened now for the first time we had cap space and you know what Weaver's not pissing it away he's going and saving that money for a rainy day going and having some stop gaps and as a Pistons fan long term that's a refreshing feeling yeah so I would guess that guy it's a refreshing feeling yeah I I would guess that Bagley will get no more than nine million a year maybe less than that well, so yeah they this can only be- offer him seven point eight. No, no, that, that's his qualifying offer. They can offer him anything up to the max, which they will not, but there, there are no restrictions on what they can offer him. Is that the case? I thought it was that they can offer him no. 7.8, and if somebody goes no, no, and no. makes an offer with his restricted free agency, then they can match it. It's so, no, no, no. So basically uh, what restricted free agency means is that uh, they just give him the qualifying offer, and then they can match any offer after that. But I don't think anybody's going to offer for Bagley. But So uh, I don't anticipate him getting any more than $9 million dollars I don't think any of the kid, the very few cap space teams are really going to make a run at him. And he's not, he's not a mid-level exception candidate for, for a team that's about the cap. You know what? So the they'll ultimate, want to spend that on a good player. The, the ultimate move would be, this would be 40 chess. So if the Kings go and offer money to, to Bagley after this trade, uh, I think that there's a 0% chance of that happening. <laughs> Number one, the Kings. Would be able to let's, cap. let's call it like 0.001% chance. It's still the Kings. Yeah, but uh, I, I mean, the most that they could offer is the ten million MLE. All right, maybe it's yeah. above ten million this year. Actually, I think it might be close. I, I haven't looked at what the MLE is this year. The Pistons won't have it because they're uh, they they had to, they're going to have to announce the biannual exception and the mid-level exception and the grant the grant trade exception because they'll count against the cap otherwise. Yeah, but, I, I don't seriously yeah. think that's going to happen. But but how great would it be if the Kings went and offered Bagley? I don't think it's yeah. That that would be, uh, uh, I don't know, but uh, it, in any case, yeah, he he definitely he's come to Detroit where he actually likes playing, and like you said, the pressure is off of him. But I don't anticipate he'll get more than nine million dollars, and uh, that'll leave the Pistons with I don't know somewhere in the realm of ten, eleven, twelve million dollars. Like I said, I've done my calculations that people keep disagreeing with by about two million dollars, but that'll leave the Pistons enough to sign one more fairly good role player. Uh, and whom do you see them? Like if you had to, if you had to take a pick in free agency, uh, whom whom would you see them uh, maybe going after? So I've got a couple of names for you. I, I think that my my biggest wish, and it's been this way for probably the last half season or so. I I, I think Gary Harris would be a great guy to go and have on a one and one type of a deal. Even uh, with he, Burks here, say that again. As having Burks change that. Oh, not really. I, I I think I'd still be happy to go and have Gary Harris as a depth type of a guy on, on the wing. I mean, our, our wing depth isn't exactly stellar. What we're loaded on is a bunch of point guards, you know, so I, I think. Oh, really? We, I, I oh, mean, we, we've really got have... Cade, we've got Kojo, we've got Killian. Isn't Saban oh, right. still on the books? Yeah, you're right. Four of them. I forgot. I yeah. We've got a bunch Saban, of point yeah. guards, man. I mean, yeah, we, we've got Ivy, we've got Sadiq, we've got Hami, uh, we, we've got Burks now. I mean, that, and we'll probably be playing one of them a little bit out of position with a small ball type of a, of a now, move. Bay will, 
Yeah, Bayer will be a power forward at this yeah. point. I'm so so confident. we're going to play them a little bit with the small ball type of a lineup. But, I mean, we, we don't really have that many wings, you, you know. And so uh, a guy like Gary Harris would be my my number one pick. And, yeah, I'm, I'm a Spartan guy, you know, um, you know, just for, for insight for the audience. I mean, I, I was at Michigan State for uh, oh, almost a decade for school overall here. And not because I failed out or anything, um, <laughs> but uh, I was at State for a long time. So I'm a little bit biased towards the, the connection that he has with East Lansing. I know he's from Indiana. He very well could sign with the Pacers. But I think my number one guy to go and sign would be Gary Harris. Um, other guys I could go and see us going and getting. Uh, actually, if we're going for a little bit lower tier type of a guy, uh, going in and getting a Bryn Forbes type of a guy would be a, a reasonable type mm-hmm. of a guy. He can go and shoot it. He can't play defense worth, worth crap, but uh, he'd be another guy that I could see us potentially going after because he'll probably be in the range of like a four to five million type of a contract. Uh, I think that, you know, uh, dude, the, there's, there's no Spartan bias there, right? No, no Spartan bias with those two at all. Uh, going moving away from the Spartan guys, though, I think uh, Otto Porter Jr. type of a player would be a, a really great pickup. Um, oh, even the man, the Pistons have a lot of guys in the front court already, though. Yeah, but I, I could still see him going and, and fitting in if we're going to play him at the four. Uh, I think that he he would be a guy that, with what his market is and what we have left, you know, he would be probably at the upper echelon of what we can go and offer. And then we'd have scraps to go and get for a guy at like the vet minimum, but Porter jr. Would be another guy. And then, you know, also again, kind of like a, a little bit more of a bigger player, but could potentially fit in uh, TJ Warren would be a great reclamation project on a one and one type of a deal. Mm. Yeah. So the Pistons right now have, uh, you know, between the guys on the roster and Bagley, presumably, uh, coming back, we'll have 12 guys in the roster. You might see Saban Lee get waived because they got three-point guards right now, and he's been real disappointing so far. But, uh, I mean, when it comes to free agency for me, I mean, I felt going in like I have no idea what's going to happen, and we saw tonight one of the things that could happen. <laughs> you know, was we didn't like expect. Mates. Uh, well, I mean, it was there were two things that, that – the one thing that I knew was a possibility was taking out more money, oh, yeah. and that happens. But at this point, I mean – I question how many minutes there will be to go around for a lot of these guys. I mean, in the front court, you've got you've got three guys at center. Uh, you've got Bagley is presumably playing power forward. Weber's going to be playing power forward, uh, and uh, like you've got you know three guys on the wing uh, between uh, Burks, Diallo, and Ivy. Like maybe you sign one more wing. Like I would say probably like a Bryn Forbes sort of guy, because there, there's another factor here is that these guys have to want to come and feel like they're going to get opportunity so that they can earn their next contract. So Bryn Forbes is these an East Lansing native. I think he'd be happy to be back home. <laughs> and, and and not play any minutes. I don't know about that. I mean, these guys oh. are going to have to come in and feel like they're going to play minutes. Otherwise, they're just playing themselves out of their next contract. He, he's a three-point shooter, man. I, I think that he would find an, a, a slot to go and play. <clears throat> um, but if Diallo ends up in the rotation then there are suddenly very, very few minutes. So, yeah, so I, I don't feel, this is a cop-out, I don't really feel able to predict what might happen um, so because it, who, it's just Who's your like, best yeah, guess? I would say for a guy like Forbes is the likeliest uh, because okay, he's not so, going to be... So you refute, refute Forbes, but then you say Forbes is the likeliest. So, no, so he's the likeliest in the sense that I don't think he'll be heavily sought after because he, he's a tough player to play in the postseason. So teams with uh, with postseason aspirations may not be too interested in him, uh, but yeah. So I would say a player like that who's kind of on the fringe, who has a good skill, 
but has weaknesses. Like his forwards is a massive defensive liability or yep, just a, a substantial defensive liability. So if the Pistons are going to pay anybody, I would say it would be a guy like him. Uh, but just at this point, I find it so hard to predict what really what might happen. The Pistons could just take on another salary dump. Who do you think we'd uh, go and trade if we did a salary dump? I have no idea. I think uh, Saban would yeah. be a guy that somebody might have a little bit of interest in seeing if he can go and play at the NBA level. Uh, I don't know. He's been real disappointing so far, but uh, we also have Kelly, a power forward. Forgot about him. He might be on his way out, but I don't know what to wear. I don't think that KO will be traded until the deadline. So, so you've got one last guy you want to talk about. I know that. Yeah, my, my, my shot in the dark, dark horse signing, you know, and and yeah, he's, he's kind of a, a guy that – He's, he's probably unlikely, but if I had to go and throw a dart and, and say a, a signing to go and, and potentially take on or that we I could envision us taking on, Cassius Stanley, you know, he, he's a guy that they've at least had some optimism about. Yeah, they got a sneak preview of him, but he'd be a guy that could be like that 15th guy on the team and, you know, be on a vet minimum for like $1.8 million. So he's an athletic guy. He can't shoot the three ball so far at least. Uh, he goes and plays with some energies, energy type of a guy. And that's about all you can ask for, for a 15th guy. So that's my shot in the dark pick. Yeah. I mean, you'd be hoping that he can develop, uh, he can develop that three, but he was, yeah, thus far really struggling. So anyway, folks, uh, that can be it for this episode. Uh, it's one of the longer ones uh, that the show has posted in quite some time. But I uh, want to thank you uh, Chandler for joining on the show today. Yeah, you're very welcome. And uh, you know, thanks for having me. Yeah, I think we're okay. Uh, so as always, folks, uh, if you uh, like the content podcast puts out, consider uh, following the Twitter account at 2 Pod. And thank you all for listening. Catch you next time.